Welcome to an episode of the Forum, the official podcast of the Diplomacy Law and Policy Forum. My name is Ramsha Hayat and I'll be your host for today. Today we have a distinguished guest with us, Dr. Asif Khan, who is the head of the Department of Law at the National University of Sciences and Technology. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Asif. Today's episode delves deep into the world of cyber operations, a topic that's shaping our present and future. So let's dive right in. Our first question is regarding what are cyber operations and what kind of impacts do they have both in the kinetic and non-kinetic realms? Thank you, Ramsha, for uh, inviting me here. And uh, this is an important topic uh, for discussion. Uh, I'll just start off with the basic idea of what uh, cyber attacks are. Uh, we only see cyber attacks in the context of armed conflict but obviously cyber attacks do not only uh, are important in context of armed conflict so generally cyber attacks are uh, gaining control over a computer-based system so that is a cyber attack generally now gaining control over a, a computer-based system means uh, that there is a, a computer-based system in a cyber space and which does not have a territory so we are talking about something which uh, cannot be controlled uh, as a territory, as states controlled. So uh, that's why it's, it, it becomes more important. So cyber attacks, uh, if we say it's gaining control over a computer-based system, it gives access to the person who is gaining control. And that control is illegal when we are talking in, in context of law. So illegally gaining a control over a computer-based system gives access to people uh, to delve into the private lives of people. So human rights, obviously, right to privacy comes in uh, directly. And uh, the, in context of cyber attacks, uh, there are several means through which cyber attacks can uh, happen in cyberspace. One of them may be phishing. Uh, in context of cyber warfare, the uh, DOS system is, is quite uh, prominent because uh, uh, states or the governments uh, uh, cyber spaces have been hacked by hackers previously. So that becomes very important. So there may be several issues, there may be several issues in cyberspace which states need to look into. And some of them uh, are important in context of uh, cyber warfare. And the, the cyber attack, as I said, may have several uh, effects, maybe kinetic and non-kinetic, as you pointed out as well. So, which means that kinetic attacks will have a physical effect on uh, a computer-based system, and through that that computer-based system, uh, the access towards uh, weapons, maybe there are autonomous weapons which uh, keenly rely on uh, a computer-based system, and if hacked, obviously, uh, the control over those autonomous uh, weapons goes to a person unlawfully. Uh, who actually should not have control over those systems. So that is why it's becoming important in context of cyber warfare. Now, uh, the effects of, of cyber attacks, if are kinetic, then uh, the legal you know, regime around it is different. If they are non-kinetic effects, then obviously the legal regime is different. So we, we'll discuss how IHL and the law of armed conflict specifically uh, deals with kinetic and non-kinetic uh, attacks. So the, uh, to end this question, it's uh, the effects of, of, of the uh, cyber attacks might be different. Uh, 
may have a physical uh, effects within the territory of a state may not have physical effects but still uh, a lot of rights of the people living within a state may be jeopardized uh, through cyber attacks thank you you touched upon the intriguing intersection of cyber operations and warfare uh, and cyber operations have been deployed in the context of warfare and that's reshaping the landscape of conflict as we know it is so is this true yes definitely uh, let me give you an example uh, this year 2023 there were around 56 cyber attacks in context of the russian ukrainian war and this is, uh, I'm just quoting one source uh, uh, for, for your reference, which means obviously the cyber attacks in context of cyber warfare is an, a reality. So previously, uh, 15 years back, it was not a reality, but now it is a reality. Uh, if we take the data of uh, last year, 2022, there were 20, 42 reported cyber attacks in context of uh, warfare, again in the Russian-Ukrainian war. So it's happening. It is not uh, something that we are talking about. As we are talking, it's happening all around us. And obviously in future, because uh, states rely on technology and uh, cyberspace is becoming unsafe for the users as we know because cyber attacks against uh, banks, cyber attacks against uh, corpor corporations, uh, it was a normal no normalcy before, uh, 15 years back it was a normal um, uh, hacking, uh, uh, people have used it, it for hacking. So now in context of warfare, it, it is used by the states. So if we look into the future, uh, it's not looking good because cyber attacks are actually now happening in context of warfare and uh, it will become dangerous. Why? Because anyone, any hacker, any person who have access to internet and have this capability of uh, hacking a particular system, he can have access to data and if that person can have access to data, he or she can use it uh, through ulterior motives. So yes, uh, 10 years back, if we, we would be talking about uh, IHL or cyber warfare, uh, warfare generally, uh, we would not be so concerned about the effects of cyberspace. But now, yes, uh, we have to take uh, the cyber attacks in, uh, we have to talk about cyber attacks in context of uh, IHL and cyber warfare. We're living in a scary time. Yeah. Uh, so let's shift gears and talk about the legal aspects of this. How does international humanitarian law and its fundamental principles, distinction, proportionality and precaution apply to the realm of cyber operations? Now, uh, IHL or the law of armed conflict, as we all know, we can divide it in two, use ad bellum and use in bellum. So the effects of cyber warfare or, or cyber attacks in both use ad bellum and use in melu will be different. So I'll be, I may talk about both of, of, of the uh, uh, ways of warfare. So as we all know, use ad bellum is uh, the law regulating warfare before it starts. Uh, for, for a layman, I can explain it this way. So in use ad bellum, mostly the UN Charter and Article 2 sub clause 4 of the UN Charter applies along with Article 51, which is the self-defense. Now, uh, the basic question arises over here is that uh, what, uh, which, uh, whether cyber attacks amount to a use of force against a state, which is a very important question because um, in case of the use of force, 
the right to self-defense obviously uh, can be invoked by, by a state against whom the use of force has been made. Now, there are different opinions about this, uh, whether cyber attacks would amount to a use of force. Again, uh, I'll go back to your first question, uh, where you pointed out towards kinetic and non-kinetic effects of uh, the attacks. Now, in case of use uh, at Bellum, uh, it is important whether the cyber attacks have a kinetic effect or not. Most of the scholars are, uh, think that if a cyber attack have a, a kinetic effect, then it may amount to a use of force. But if it does not have, it, it's, it, it's only limited to uh, hacking or, or, or taking data off a government website, for instance, it may not amount to a use of force. But there are different opinions about it. Uh, personally, uh, as I see it, uh, cyber attack, if uh, have a, a physical effect within the territory of a state, it might or it should amount to a use of force against that state. Why? Because uh, there is a physical amount of physical damage that has occurred, which means that the, the, the state which is attacked have this right to self-defense uh, under the UN Charter. But whether uh, the effects of uh, cyber attacks, if they are non-kinetic or if, if they don't have a, a uh, physical effect upon the state, but still uh, data, as we say, is, is uh, hacked by uh, data. By data, I mean government-based data, if that is attacked by a hacker. Uh, whether that will amount to a cyber attack and will that amount to a use of force against that state? The answers can be yes and no. Uh, uh, it depends on how that data is used by that particular person. So if that data is used uh, by uh, for uh, in, in enforcing uh, physical or kinetic uh, uh, damage in that particular state, yes, I would say that would amount to a use of force against that state. So it it all it's not very clear if we look into the uh, uh, definition of the use of force whether the cyber attacks will amount to use of force or not. So. Uh, in this context, I would say the law is not very clear when we talk about cyber attacks. But when we come towards the use uh, in Bellum, uh, specifically IHL, whether IHL applies or not in cases of cyber attacks, the simple answer would be yes, IHL applies. ICRC have uh, uh, clarified its stance on this as well, that IHL do apply in context of uh, cyber attack if that cyber attack uh, is committing during an armed conflict or a non-international armed conflict. Uh, so a cyber attack would amount, uh, or IHL would apply uh, in uh, on cyber attacks. But again, uh, they're, uh, having said this, it's easy to say that IHL applies on cyber attacks, but uh, uh, how does IHL apply on cyber attacks is another question which needs to be answered. Because, uh, in international law specifically, we say that attribution is one aspect which uh, should be ensured in cases where a wrongful act has been committed by a state. Now, even if, if uh, a cyber attacks, uh, attack, IHL would apply on a cyber attack, but attribution obviously is required. Now, under generally common international law, attribution is done by a state which has been targeted. 
but in cases of cyber attacks attribution is not that easy as we have been conventionally looking at so that question of attribution both in uh, context of use at bellum and use in bellum uh, has to be answered by the states now for that we look into uh, the the state policies and most states which have given it cyber security policy or cyber po policy related to cyber attacks or cyber warfare specifically uh, they have accepted this fact that uh, I, uh, international law applies on uh, cyber attacks or in context of cyber warfare but how does it apply is again uh, a question which has not been answered yet uh, successfully so most states would say that IHL apply uh, on uh, in context of cyber warfare, but how does it apply is, is again a question which needs to be answered. Uh, basically, we talk about different principles of IHL, uh, protection of civilians and everything, but uh, in cases where a cyber attack have jeopardized you know, the rights of, of civilians, for, uh, let's say, uh, who would attribute those actions to a state or even a private entity, a non-state entity. And that is a question which needs to be answered. Mostly states regarding attribution say that it is the, uh, as conventionally it is the job of the state which has been attacked uh, to attribute. But in context of cyber warfare, it might be difficult for, yeah. for a lot of states to uh, attribute. Why? Because of uh, the, the technology, the use of technology, whether the state have this capacity uh, to actually attribute attacks, cyber attacks to another state or a non-state actor or an individual. So this one uh, issue needs to be resolved and needs to be answered. Thank you for explaining that so well because uh, in such a rapidly evolving field, it's crucial to understand the legal framework. Coming to a question that's been of much debate, the definition of attack under IHL is a contentious issue and uh, as you also stated that there is no uh, set definition but in your expert opinion what should be included in this definition? Yes, that's an interesting question because the def attack is obviously defined in, in uh, IHL and it says that act of violence that is very important. So the, the definition of attack is that act of violence in offense or defense against an adversary. So that act of violence, which means which, which, which directs us to the kinetic effects of, of an attack. So attacks which do not have a physical kinetic effect in warfare would not amount to uh, an attack under the definition which is given by IHL, which I think uh, maybe in future we would see some kind of change in this definition of attack because uh, there is a lot of data, uh, government data which which uh, needs protection. Uh, there is a lot of data related to civilians during the armed conflict even which needs protection. And if that data is compromised or if that data is hacked by uh, a government entity or even an individual, it requires protection under IHL which I think under this definition uh, given in under the IHL is, is, is not there. So uh, if there is no act of violence uh, coming out of a cyber attack, it would not amount to a cyber attack, uh, an attack in, under the, the IHL, which means that we are left with then uh, enforcement or uh, application of human rights only. 
uh, obviously we all know that human rights is applicable where IHL is not, uh, but still in context of uh, armed conflicts, uh, we need to protect data, civilian data, even the, the uh, government data, which is not a military object. Uh, and if we need to uh, protect that, the definition of attack under IHL may require some amendments in future. Building off on that, should data be considered as an object? Uh, in this digital age, is it reasonable not to protect civilian data as we would protect it in paper form? Hmm. Now, uh, this question might have different answers because data, as we all know, uh, whether it is a protected object under IHL, uh, it can be debated. But yes, coming back to your question, uh, definitely we require the protection of data under uh, IHL and obviously other laws. Now, if uh, in context of warfare, if IHL applies and IHL do not provide protection to data, uh, that might create problems uh, for governments and for civilians because uh, there are there is sensitive data which is uh, which should be protected now whether uh, data if we apply IHL generally uh, data must be or is protected under uh, IHL but practically speaking uh, it's not easy to to identify which kind of data is protected so uh, for that reason, uh, the clarification of on this point is required, whether uh, which particular data is protected under IHL now and which particular data is protected under uh, other legal frameworks like uh, international human rights law or generally human rights law. And if that data is breached, now what would it amount to uh, a cyber crime or would it amount to a war crime? So that requires uh, a lot more explanation than we have right now uh, under the laws. So short answer would be yes, data requires protection and uh, specifically in context of uh, warfare and, and armed conflicts. Zooming out and taking a step back, let's discuss the international cooperation in the cyber arena. Now, the Digital Geneva Con Convention has been a hot topic. Should the international community pursue this or should the focus be on clarifying how IHL rules apply to cyber operations? Is the current IHL framework enough? What are the vital considerations that should be taken in this rapidly evolving landscape? Yes, uh, looking into, because when we talk about international law, we talk about state, states and state practice specifically. And uh, the state practice would develop whether the states want uh, uh, another convention specifically on, on cyber warfare or do they want to apply you know, the, the already existing law upon the cyber attacks or in context of cyber warfare. Now, uh, looking into how the states have reacted, I would say that they are not interested in a, in a separate convention which deals with the uh, cyber attacks in context of cyber warfare. What the states mainly want is the, because they all agree, mostly uh, agree on the application of international law. And they all agree that uh, international law applies in context of cyber warfare. So as far as my personal opinion is concerned, I would say uh, 
convention or a separate convention at, the, at this particular moment regarding uh, uh, cyber warfare uh, is not required. Why? Because states have not agreed upon a lot of issues uh, currently. So what we need to do is to apply the existing uh, international law framework, which is whether if, if it is IHL or whether if it is uh, international human rights law. So we need to uh, define how IHL would apply and how human rights law will apply in context of uh, cyber attacks. So, uh, but having said, said this, obviously in future, if the problems persist and specifically when I'm talking about attribution of, of uh, cyber attacks. Uh, in that context, maybe uh, uh, another convention would be required. Why? Because attribution, conventionally speaking, was easier for states. But now in context of cyber warfare, attribution is not easy for states. Uh, so in that context, maybe uh, a separate convention uh, would be required to, to settle this particular problem. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, whether IHL or international law can be applied in context of uh, cyber warfare, uh, I think to a large extent it, it can be applied because the principles, uh, IHL principles or, or, or other uh, human rights law, for instance, can be uh, simply applied case-by-case uh, uh, -case basis, obviously. Uh, on, on in context of cyber warfare or or even on cyber attacks, simply cyber attacks. So it can be applied, but how does it apply is a, is a major question which needs to be answered. And I think it can be answered if, if uh, the states have a clear uh, view on this and clear state practice can evolve in future. So uh, the, the current law, international legal regime can apply in uh, cyberspace as well. Uh, we just need to include cyberspace uh, in the realm of international law. Right now we deal with territory and uh, airspace, for instance, uh, but now we have to include cyberspace as uh, uh, a territory maybe which, is, which belongs to a state, uh, which is difficult. Why? Because we, uh, as in the beginning I pointed out that cyberspace do not have territories. It's, it's just one cyber state, uh, cyberspace system. But uh, we have to now define, you know, this uh, cyberspace in context of uh, territory, uh, kind of a territory of a state. And if we do that, then the application of the international law is much more easier. Uh, and if we don't do this, obviously, there will be problems in application of international law. So to end up your, your question, uh, I don't, personally, uh, I think that at this moment, a convention, a separate convention or a treaty, is not required uh, because the states are not on one particular, uh, have not agreed on, on a lot of issues which deals with the application of international law in cyberspace. But yes, in the future, we might move towards uh, a separate conventions, convention which, which deals with this particular Hopefully. issue. Hopefully. Yeah. And finally, bringing the conversation back home, Dr. Asif, can you please shed some light on what Pakistan's policies are regarding cyber attacks and cyber warfare? Yes, uh, and it is a very important uh, question as well. Why? Because uh, as I pointed out that uh, state uh, practices is something which creates international law. And how does state practice you know, uh, come into being by state through state policies? And Pakistan obviously should have or 
must have a, a policy related to uh, cyber warfare specifically. Uh, till now, there was not a very clear uh, policy on, on cyber warfare specifically. We have a cyber security policy which deals with a lot of things which uh, are not covered in, in, uh, in context of uh, warfare. It's just generally apply the uh, cyber security within a state. For instance, uh, uh, the de de defending the critical infrastructure. That is one thing which was there in the cyber security policy which came in 2021, a Pakistan cyber security policy. But currently, uh, Pakistan somehow have given its, its policy on, on cyber warfare as well. And uh, there are a few uh, basic points on which the states have generally uh, talked about. First one is the application of international law. And Pakistan obviously uh, is quite clear in this context and it says that uh, international law applies in context of cyber warfare. So international law, whatever it is, will apply in cases where cyber attacks have been initiated against Pakistan, for instance. So uh, if there is a, uh, a cyber attacks having physical effects within the territory of Pakistan, obviously Pakistan's uh, point or, or, or policy is that international law will apply and they will take it as a use of force against against the state. So that is the, the first thing. Secondly, uh, principle of non-intervention, whether that applies uh, in context of uh, uh, cyber attacks specifically, not specifically in cyber warfare because principle of non-intervention would mostly uh, apply in cases of espionage, for instance. Uh, now, espionage has been defined in, in uh, IHL as well, but generally uh, the state practice you know, uh, defines espionage and it might be uh, against the principle of non-intervention. And the Pakistan stance is that principle of non-intervention will apply in cyberspace. So if there is any uh, uh, any state or any non-state actor indulging in activities within cyberspace which uh, uh, damages Pakistan's uh, stance, for instance, in, in uh, international uh, relations, that would amount to non-intervention. So uh, that principle of non-intervention will apply in that case. And then uh, the question of sovereignty obviously has been uh, defined in Pakistan's policy and it says that principle of sovereignty applies to so anything which uh, is against the principle of sovereignty uh, and uh, the international law as we all know uh, protects the sovereignty of a state, uh, the law would apply. Regarding IHL, uh, as all the other states also think that IHL applies in uh, in, in context of cyber warfare, Pakistan is all uh, has already agreed on this point that IHL applies in context of cyber warfare. But yes, Pakistan's policy would uh, also questions that how will uh, it apply, and that needs to be debated in. Uh, on international forums. And then finally on attribution, uh, the stance is very interesting because Pakistan obviously uh, analyzes the situation in a way that attribution might be difficult in cases of uh, cyber attacks. As I pointed out earlier, that uh, person sitting in um, 
a third state might you know uh, be involved in a cyber attack against the state and he or she can easily show his or her uh, uh, territory differently uh, using vpn is not a, uh, a big issue these days so that identity uh, can be you know uh, uh, prevented you know the states can be prevented by from uh, finding out the real identity of the attackers so for this attribution pakistan uh, have accepted that this might be a problem in future what is lacking in the policy according to my analysis is that pakistan uh, should come up with uh, uh, a specific points within its policy which defines how attribution uh, can be made in cases of cyber attacks which i think right now is missing in the in, in the uh, stance of pakistan so that is one thing which which needs you know a bit of improvement otherwise uh, pakistan uh, as the other states have now identified and accepted the application of international law in context of uh, cyber warfare generally and uh, also in cases of where the human rights violations occur have now accepted that international law generally applies in context of uh, cyber warfare how does it apply obviously this question will remain uh, debatable for a longer period of time thank you dr asif for sharing your valuable insights with us today it's been an enlightening discussion shedding light on the complex world of cyber operations a big thank you to our guest dr asif for joining us today thank you so much sir.